Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. We're the Formula One podcast for fans by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host and co-driver Sam. Hello Sam, how are you doing? Hello Will, I'm very well thank you. How are you? I'm all good, I'm all good. How was it? How was your weekend? It was very nice. Well, obviously my partner and I saw you and yours yes, and yes. my daughter as well on, on yes, Saturday. Yeah. That was very nice in London. That was the that was only the second time we've seen each other in person since starting the podcast. Just not not because we've been avoiding each other, just because somehow we just not end up seeing each other. No, it's been quite uh, it's been quite a hectic few months, isn't it? And uh, yeah. we're very much embracing this new digital world we live in. But yeah. no, it was very nice to see you. Um, and then yeah, quite a quiet uh, couple of days after that. Obviously, I had the Grand Prix on Sunday, and today we spent mostly walking and avoiding the rain. How about oh. you? Was that was it successful? It was, yeah. We we managed to find a nice window. It was really nice this evening. So, um, yeah, my my daughter loves being out at that time of day. She loves trees and blossom and cats and dogs and God knows what else. And there's all of that to see in Hollow Claria. So, yeah, that was nice. How was your uh, Sunday and Monday? Yes. Well, uh, Sunday, quite hungover. I was out in Brighton on uh, Saturday night. So, I sadly, as we'll come on to, missed the race uh, completely. Um, so, yeah, I was recovering from that on a train. Um, but yeah, no, been very, uh, very chill today. Been, you know, been out, been active, and then uh, yes, yeah, saw my brother. So it was nice to catch up with him. Uh, yeah, no, good to good to digest the form one. He was he sat through it as well, so he, he told me he's doing it as well. So yeah, hi Greg, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, Formula One was back this weekend after a, a four week break. Uh, we were back in Azerbaijan at the Baku Street Circuit. Uh, it's probably one of the quickest street circuits on the grid, long straights, tight, very tight um, corners. Uh, and I remember when I played the Formula One game that it was always marked as very difficult to drive. Uh, I hmm. did struggle on that one. I'm sure as we'll come on to, some drivers did find it quite a difficult one this weekend. Uh, but it has been the scene of some great races in the last six or so years since it's been on the calendar. Sam, I'll ask you two questions. How was the race? Because I didn't watch it. And who won the race? Well, the race was meh, which we'll discuss at some length, I suspect, shortly, um, which was a bit of a shame given uh, the level of excitement Baki has provided in previous years. And uh, the race was won by the fastest car again, Will, oh. which, was, which was the Oracle Red Bull. But it was driven by Sergio Perez rather than Max Verstappen this time. So that was that was quite interesting. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure, as well. But uh, yeah, Checo, Red Bull, still really good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come on to that. So uh, I I saw bits of qualifying, uh, of the two qualifyings, which we'll also cover in this episode as well. Uh, we've not gone insane. There were two qualifyings. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, Charles Leclerc did start the race on pole. I I watched the highlights on YouTube this morning, and uh, they obviously only covered the key bits and pieces. Now, firstly, I, I noticed that Max uh, overtook him within four laps. Was there much of a contest in those first four laps, or was it pretty... You know, he got up to him and then next thing you know, he's passed him. What what was that like as a contest between the Ferrari and the Red Bull? Uh, it wasn't really a contest, really. Yeah, um, yeah so Mac, Max drew in very, very quickly. Um, he probably could have got a move done without DRS, but just waited and was just patient. Um, waited for the right opportunity, right moment, popped the DRS on the main straight and uh, overtook him on lap four. Yeah, it wasn't, um, wasn't a particularly difficult uh, overtake. Uh, as again I'm sure we'll talk about at some point during this episode Um, and then yeah very similar with Checo really both Red Bulls just breeze past the Ferrari unfortunately and this is a Ferrari as well that's that's pretty good on the straights this season they've really reduced the level of drag on that car Um, so for yeah for the overtakes to be that that easy for Red Bull was a bit bit worrying Um, but yeah not not really much of a battle no I think Charles was as soon as he I think he was overtaken by both Red Bulls he very quickly seemed to settle into a rhythm knowing that he was going to finish third unless something crazy happened up front yeah i did see that they that uh he finished 20 seconds behind uh max who finished second charles did and uh that kind of works out about half a second a lap which is crazy which is crazy that's just yeah and, and that's probably as we've said several times you and i both think that the red bull is being very very deliberate in hiding its true pace Yep. I think that that could have been forty seconds if they really pushed the car, and, if, and that's if, that's if they pushed it a bit. I think they could have easily got out to being a second a lap quicker across the whole race. Yeah, it's an interesting one that one because I think at the when the after the first well after the safety car, which again we'll talk about, um, the Red Bulls disappeared off into the distance at a, 
a real rate of knots, sort of eight, nine tenths a lap. Um, and then it did drop off a bit towards the end because they were t- managing their tyres. I don't know if that's because Max decided that he wasn't realistically going to be able to get Checo or they both just ended up having to manage their tyres towards the end of the mm. race. That's quite possible too. And again, we'll talk a bit about this in more detail, but it seems quite difficult to follow this season. So Max probably had a bit of trouble keeping up and um, staying staying as close to Checo as he'd like to make, make a real challenge for the lead. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it, it probably could have been more if those both those cars were driving at their absolute peak speed yeah yeah i mean it's it frustrating because the weekend had such promise on friday's qualifying and on saturday's qualifying i let myself dream for a moment that maybe the ferrari had sometimes you know and maybe somehow appeared out of nowhere and suddenly fixed its race pace and its overall car pace and we actually would start having this would be the start of the actual championship battle and we'd suddenly have ferrari win a, a, a number of races or be nearly winning races so then we could have a, a battle but actually you know as, as I said in the, the the episode last week, the Red Bull was pretty average, and they kind of I think they were quite poor on in both the qualifyings. They both had pretty bad days at the office, um, but then on the Sunday, the car is a different beast in in a race mode, and it just it pulls away. Yeah, it does, and and, well, and also don't don't underestimate uh, sort of Charles's ability in qualifying. Like he is Mister Saturday, he can pull a lap out of that car, mm. and I think he was. Mm. I think his lap was eight tenths quicker than his teammate in qualifying wow. which says which does say i think something about the level of talent kicking yeah. around charles and the gap and the gap between the two of them between him and carlos yeah it was it was significant so yeah yeah i agree it was it was interesting um i mean just seeing seeing a different car on the on the front at, uh, on pole was was interesting but um it did feel very inevitable i think even charles seemed a little bit uh sort of circumspect about his chances at the mm. start of the race mm. Because um, he knows what that Red Bull's like on a Sunday, um, but yeah, that was it. Was it, it, it the race developed it sort of in in an interesting way at the start? Just because um, obviously we had Nick DeVries going off and a safety car coming out, um, and because Red Bull had sort of, to my mind, made a bit of a strategic error for them um, in bringing Max in sort of just after the incident had happened, but before a safety car had been called, rather than waiting a little bit longer and asking Max maybe to take the foot off a little bit or indeed sending him around for another lap and having him pit under the safety car, he pitted a, pitted early and lost, you know, 10, 12 seconds worth of time in that incident because obviously the safety car then comes out, Checker gets to pit for a significant reduction in time uh, and comes out ahead of him. So that that of itself made it quite interesting and then yeah we, we had the prospect of a big battle between between Perez and Verstappen but it never really materialized Verstappen mm. never really got close enough um which which of itself is quite interesting I think it says a lot about Checo's ability on street circuits as well um yeah. but yeah no apart from apart from the sort of restart after the safety car there wasn't a huge amount of excitement throughout the rest of the race yeah. um the restart a couple of interesting like fun moments I think shortly afterwards Alonso steamed up the inside of Carlos Sainz to turn four and took took third place that was quite fun uh, not third place took fourth place that was quite fun uh and hamilton as well who was uh, as is traditional for lewis hamilton seemingly anytime a safety car appears it's never for his benefit uh he pitted the lap before the safety car just like max did uh or even a lap before that actually so he didn't even know there was a safety car pitted the lap before then the safety car gets called and he ends up stuck behind his teammate but he came steaming up the inside at turn one after the restart without drs i might add uh, put an overtake on his teammate and then ended up finishing quite well. So, yeah, I mean, apart from that brief, I don't know, 10 minutes probably, the rest of the race was a bit bit of a damp squib, really. What did yeah. you make of the highlights when you watched them? Well, they were only seven minutes long and usually they're about 10 minutes long. So that shows you, you know, they were probably struggling for content a bit to pad it out. Mm-hmm. And of, of one of those seven minutes, there was a feature, one of the, the highlights was uh, Lewis having a very standard pit stop that it seemed to, that was then never referred to in the next couple of highlights. So that was a bit random. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't look like a big, um, a big race. Uh, you know, there were no, there were no real big crashes or big driver mistakes. So a few, the few, there were, there were driver mistakes and we'll come on to that. But, um, yeah, you know, usually back, we've have seen some massive shunts and some, some big crashes and, you know, lots of safety cars. Whereas, you know, I think 18 of the cars finished and two of them, one of them finished because of technical. And I can't, I think the other one finished because of minor damage or something like that. Um, so yeah, but no, it's good to see Sergio win. Uh, he maintains his only street race wins for Red Bull, which is quite impressive of his was wins so far. He's ever won on a street circuit, um, and it's good for the championship because he obviously won the sprint race as well. So he got some points from that. So the, the gap now has gone from being fifteen to six, which is which is 
good because it's not, you know, we were fearing that we'd be sort of, Max would go on a storm and we'd absolutely sort of lose all interest in the title battle. So we're kind of hoping that, that Checo can keep up this level of performance. And he has started the season incredibly well. He's probably driving the best he's ever driven for Red Bull or in his F1 career. You know, I think I saw earlier that his last, his first F1 win uh, last season was at Monaco. And so Monaco comes almost halfway through the season. So it's good that he's come in quite early. And then he's, you know, he's he won in Saudi Arabia and he's won here, you know, in the first four or five races. Um, and last season, you know, he won in, in Monaco. And then his next win wasn't until Singapore, whereas Singapore's in the last sort of third uh, quarter of the of the of this of the calendar. So, fingers crossed, Checo can keep up the uh, the big performance. What did you make of Checo's performance this weekend? Yeah, he, he had a really good weekend. I think he had the edge on Max. To be honest, most of the yeah. weekend, I know. Max, I know he got looked, bit... Max looked off the boil on, across everything that he looked. He didn't seem very happy. He wasn't happy. No, he was extremely grumpy all weekend. Um, and um, yeah, he wasn't happy with the setup of the car. I mean, to some extent, he has some sympathy, really, because they only had one practice session. And once you've had that one session, you can't make mm. any changes to the car, really. No material setup or changes. So, yeah, he wasn't really happy with the setup of the car. Obviously, he had his coming together with George during the sprint race, which was just very, very cross about. Used some naughty language after <laughs> after the race. Called George Princess as well, which I thought was quite funny. Um, uh, but Checo, no, he had a really good weekend. Um, he is a definite specialist, isn't he, in the old street circuits. He loves them. Um, and that that definitely showed this weekend. Yeah, he definitely had the edge the edge on Max. Um, and two of the next three are street races as well. We've got Miami and Monaco coming up, two of the next three. So oh. there is an opportunity for th- there for him and his seeming specialism at, at street races to, to come good and maybe put a bit more pressure on Max. But all I would say is, and I don't want to dampen spirits because I'm really hoping we get a kind of Hamilton-Rosberg level into team rivalry this year because obviously no other con- you know no other constructor are going to get close to Red Bull. Um Checo had quite a good start to last season. Won Monaco, as you say, earned the new contract, and everyone was like, "Oh, this could be an interesting battle." And then Max won what five or six races or something on the trot and mm. stretched stretched away. I'm hoping that doesn't happen this year, and I hope we do get something close. But um, something tells me Max will probably come good at some point, and we'll see a string yeah. of wins, and then talk of a title battle will disappear quite quickly. But while we've got it, uh, and certainly while we've got more street circuits coming up. Uh, fingers crossed he can keep up with it but the car the car seems to be a bit more pliable for him this year as well there's definitely something a bit different in its characteristics that make it a bit more user-friendly for him too so yeah fingers crossed we can see see some interesting on-track battling yeah we do we were a bit we were robbed of a really good on-track battle this this week hopefully we can have one uh, at miami next week yeah i mean that's interesting because like you know this is his third season now with red bull right and so you know, yeah, it's his third season, yeah, so he's, he should feel even more confident and embedded in the team, and they know him better as well. So he should have that confidence, and hopefully, he's kind of reflected on you know how last season went. And goes, you know what, I need to be at my best every weekend, and sort of trying to find those those differences as well. And you, you say, you know, it was there was no sort of contest as well. Was it a good weekend for the DRS for the regulations? What was that <laughs> like? Uh, no, not it really. It didn't look. It didn't look good on the on the highlights. It looked pretty easy for everyone, bar a couple of risky overtakes, like you mentioned, Alonso going for an overtake at a corner you don't usually see an overtake at. But yeah, what was it like from a regulations, car regulation, sort of battling each other and overtaking and DRS? Yeah, not not brilliant. Uh, I'll, I'll try and limit my soapbox time a little bit in this podcast. Um, so I'll start with DRS. The um, floor is yours. The floor is yours. Thank you. And the timer <laughs> is starting now. <laughs> so uh, DRS wasn't particularly good. Uh, it's extremely overpowered for one team in particular and then not for everybody else. So you end up with this very strange situation where um, you've got kind of uh, one team who've absolutely nailed it as as they have in Red Bull that are just seemingly capable of hitting the DRS button and overtaking anybody else. Uh, and then everybody else where the DRS doesn't really work as well, really. Mm. I mean, even so even Hamilton, you know, he was in DRS for Carlos Sainz for ages and just couldn't get close. And then obviously we had the enormous DRS train, which for those of you that uh, don't follow F1 really, really closely, is basically where you get a sequence of cars who are all quite evenly matched, stuck following each other, all getting DRS off of the car in front because they're all within a second. Um, but it never really making much of a difference because obviously they've all got the same aerodynamic benefit and no overtakes happen. And Esteban Ocon was able to hold off 
I don't know, two thirds of the field for 50 laps on the same set of tyres. He didn't change his tyres until the end. We should talk, we'll, we'll talk about the end of the Grand Prix listener as well, by the way. We know something crazy happened, but it's a, it's a whole separate conversation, so we're saving it. Um, but yeah, Ocon stayed on old tyres for 50 laps. No one could overtake, even with DRS. And it seemed really difficult to follow. Even Max, you know, as a reference, really struggled to get close to Checo. And the same goes for lots of other drivers as well. There are a few occasions where like Alonso was getting very close to Hamilton. We're thinking, oh, we're going to get a good battle here. And then as soon as Alonso got within a second, even with DRS, suddenly his tyres started to struggle loads and he had to drop back off. And you just saw this concertina happen where all of the drivers ended up about 1.6 to 2 seconds apart because they knew if they got any closer than that, it would really hurt their grip and kill their tyres. So in terms of the new regulations, that's not really great. That's not what they wanted. They wanted closer racing. They wanted to make it much easier to follow. And it felt like we had that for sort of the first half of last season. Um, but I'm not really sure what's happened. I think things have gone, you know, technical development's gone in a specific direction. And um, yeah, all the things that these new regulations were supposed to bring have sort of evaporated and we don't really see much closer, or we haven't seen much close racing this season. And it just, yeah, it just makes me long for the, the 2021 cars really, because at least there you had two teams that were going at it. Uh, at the top and then everybody else was vaguely competitive and you saw quite good battling with the likes of Ferrari and McLaren and teams in Alpine as well whereas this season you've got as we've alluded to before a big kind of average middle blob on the track on the on the uh, on the grid the midfield, all very, jumble. the midfield jumble they're all very they're all very evenly matched and um, because they've all got basically the same benefit for DRS and the, the regulations make it quite difficult to follow yeah it's making the races a little bit uh, a little bit dull unfortunately uh, and the cars are still too big. They're far too heavy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are other things I would change. We've, we've got a whole episode on that, so feel free to go back and listen to it, listener. Um, but as it stands at the moment, yeah, the current regulations aren't delivering what the FIA hoped they would. Yeah, and Formula 1 as well, because that's... I think the thing is quite helpful to sort of think about it. With FIA, they're hoping the sport can be, you know, just and fair, and you know, they're the sort of the referee of it all. <clears throat> but Formula 1... They're almost, they're almost like the, uh, I'd say that they're like almost like the movie director. They're trying to make it an interesting, exciting spectacle. And so they've, they've made changes. They push the sport to be like this because they want it to be, you know, exciting and, you know, entertaining. And, uh, when I was sort of following the race a bit on sort of Twitter on the train home, um, just, it was overwhelming. It wasn't just, it wasn't just those that, you know, the Mercedes fanboys or, the, the anti-Red Bull people. It was overwhelmingly the commentary on everyone from journalists to, um, you know, fans that I follow and just, just sort of the general sort of chatter about the race was how boring it was. And what was interesting is a lot of it was about the cars. A lot of people were saying this, you know, it's not the circuit here, it's it's the cars. And, the, the, and I, think, I think this season could be quite an important season for f- the future direction of Formula One because we've talked about in the past about how Formula One has done a really good job of sort of increasing its popularity and getting the attention the attention of people that didn't wouldn't wouldn't usually watch Formula One and now do. They've got to make sure the product is the best it can be. And if it's predictable and boring, people are going to stop tuning off. And you've you've spoken in the past about how the viewing figures are starting to, to dip already uh post twenty twenty one. You know, I, I almost wonder if if we get if we get to the end of this season, the effort uh the Formula One kind of get themselves into a boardroom and go. Hang on a second, guys. This is this is this has gone the wrong direction. This is not what we wanted to. And I want. I always wonder if they will go the complete other direction. So we'll have much smaller cars, uh, you know, lighter cars, and just try and strip it back a bit because I think it's they pushed it in a certain direction. I think we're now sort of almost at the end of that sort of road, really, for trying to make it. You know, it's obviously failed. It might be worth just to take it back to where we used to be because I I, I saw a clip and I think I sent it to you on Twitter earlier. It was a clip from 2012. I think it was the Chinese Grand Prix. Yeah. And there were four teams fighting for the win and the podium positions. It was yep. about six it was about six cars. Mm-hmm. They were the cars were what how how much lighter? Ten kg lighter? Twelve? Oh much much more. Oh much, much more. Okay. more. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they were at least 150 kilograms lighter back then. Oh, so yeah, way more. There was no DRS. Yeah. Uh the aerodynamics is much different as well. The cars were shorter as well. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, from one, we're watching this quite closely, I think. And I think we've not really heard it yet. I think people are still waiting to see what happens. But if we do have a, another sort of, you know, well, I think, well, we are going to have a, a one-team dominant this year as well. But if we do have a boring championship battle, 
Formula One, I think, will start getting quite concerned about that because that's what the sport was at its best at, right? When 2021 was probably, the you know, for Formula One, the neutral owner of the sport trying to make it entertaining, that was the perfect season. That's probably what they want every season. They're not getting that uh, anymore. Yep. Yep, absolutely. You know, it will be interesting to see what they do. Um, I mean, we've only had a few races this year, so we've got, got some way to go yet. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe things will change and we'll see developments. Uh, move things along a bit um but yes i mean the problem they've got is these regulations are in place for a while they couldn't just rip them up at the end of the season 2026 is when the next change isn't it yeah so we're yeah we've got another three years Uh, (laughs) potentially yeah well well, at least at least let's hope another team can at least make it interesting at the front i don't think we're going to see much change in terms of um making these cars like closer like making them making them easier to race close together um I don't think you can design that out without serious regulation changes. Um, yeah. If it was me, I was, I was writing the regulations. I'd basically have a rule in place that stated that on the smallest, thinnest, skinniest track on the circuit, you have to have at least, you have to be able to at least have two cars side by side at all times. Uh, if not, ideally more than that, because um, yeah. they're just too big at the moment. And we'll see that when we, we've got some tracks coming up. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Monaco's an unfair example because we never really seen much overtaking there, but at least it was possible. Um, before, whereas now, I mean, we saw some really interesting uh, overtakes into Turn 1, didn't we, at Monaco before. Uh, it just feels like an impossibility now. The car's just too big, too heavy. Yeah. I mean, we um, could we could get some good crashes. <laughs> yes, we could. That's true. Yeah. There'll be people thinking there's a gap there, and they'll, they'll go, and they'll be like, oh, hang on a second, I'm driving a, a 2023 car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. So it's been a it's been a couple of weeks, and the Latifis are, have been collecting dust in the cupboard. In the this is We don't actually have Latifis. These are just... Um, But it's time to award some Latifis. Sam, who are you awarding your Latifi to this weekend? Uh, All right. So it's a relatively easy selection for me um, (laughs) because it's it was sort of based on the same logic that I awarded Alex Albon, uh, his Latifi for the Australian Grand Prix. So if you remember, Alex Albon just ran off the track uh, and spoiled what was a really good fight between Max and both Mercedes at the start. And it was his fault. And it was entirely his fault. He just lost the car and um, it killed what looked like a really interesting three-way battle for the lead. Um, and that was probably going to be the highlight of that race. Um, that was very frustrating. So I've awarded my Latifi for Nick DeVries. Uh, he had an absolute shocker of a weekend. <laughs> I mean, he lost it in the race. So we'll start with that particular instant. So uh, it was getting really interesting up front. Max and Checo were quite close to each other. Charles was still in the mix as well, trying to keep up and still in DRS. So it was looking like, well, we could see some... Uh, interesting on-track action and then Nick DeVries drove into the barrier and parked his car pretty unhelpfully on the side of the track um, that required safety car and sort of killed that particular battle at the front but he just had a terrible terrible weekend aside from that I just because I, I, I saw the incident and thought oh it's really annoying and like, that's really irked me I'm gonna have to give him a Latifi for that and then I thought about the rest of his weekend and I thought well he's probably gonna get one anyway <laughs> um, he had an absolute shocker yeah so I mean he binned it in qualifying as well on friday qualified was, last that that qualifying crash on friday so it's the same corner he crashed in the race but in the race he clips the he clips his left wheel because he's too tight going into the corner yeah. on friday he's going carrying too much speed in so he goes to the right of the corner and absolutely bins it properly bins the front of the car into the into the uh into the barriers there so yeah yep and then qualified last in the sprint on saturday as well and then binned it in the race while his teammate went and collected points, by the way. Yuki Tsunoda went and got first points for the season. And it's just, like it, it could not have been much of a, you know, couldn't have been a worse weekend for Nick DeVries. So, yeah, yeah pretty a pretty easy Latifi award for both for having a poor weekend and just annoying me because why not? It's my Latifi to award. Yeah. <laughs> and I've awarded one to Nick DeVries for Very annoying good. me. Um, and, and do you on. think, and do you think, do you think he's going to last the season? Because he's in a Red Bull team, and although it's not for in a Red Bull car, do you think they could get a bit brutal with him? And sort of if he's if, if this continues on, because he to to you know to look back his past few races since since you know I know it's his rookie season for one, but he is twenty seven and he has won. He's a Formula E world champion. Mm. Do you think patience could run thin at, at AlphaTauri and, and with the in the Red Bull family if this continues? Yes. I think so. Any any more weekends like this, and I'd be worried if I was him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's part of the Red Bull program. We know how ruthless they are. Um, we've seen better drivers than Nick DeVries get cut and binned off because they've had a tough time of it. Mm. Um, so, yes, I, I would be a bit worried if I was him. He's had a very, very poor start. 
uh, in general. I mean, the Alpha Tower has not been brilliant, but Sonoda's done a relatively he's, good he job. Like with he's, it. He looks like he's got better as well. I think he has. He definitely has. Um, and I think as well, he's probably confident because he knows he's got a teammate he can beat. Last year, he was up against Gasly, and mm. he's, he's a very good driver himself. So, yeah, it's not looking good for De Vries. Um, he needs to probably turn out some performances. So we've got, I think, well, I don't know what it is. It's five races in the next six weeks or something like that. Like, that is a good run there. And there's lots of races he knows well. I mean, I, to some extent, there's a bit of a, like, gets a bit of a break because Baku, as we've alluded to, is a really difficult circuit. These cars are quite difficult to drive. Um it would have been the first time he drove it in a Formula One car. Like he gets some kind of benefit of being new to some extent, but uh, there are a load of races coming up in Europe next. The tracks that he knows very, very well, he'll have he won't have that excuse anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Red Bull hierarchy will be watching because there are a long list of other drivers still waiting to get into Formula One that would snap that seat up in a heartbeat. I've just I've just given it a quick Google. Yeah, and. Nick de Vries is also last in the championship on zero points. Mm. And above him is Logan Sargent on zero points. Mm. But then in 16th is his teammate, is good old Yuki Snowder uh, on two points. So he's yeah. not massively ahead, but the performances have been poles apart. So Yeah, um, but that's two That's two separate points finishes for, the, for Yuki now Yeah, uh, in four and races. He's been, and he's had, he had three consecutive... Ele- uh, no, he had two consecutive 11s. He did That's have a right. third, and then he actually got a point in Australia. So yeah, he's had two consecutive 11s. So it's not like he's been miles away. So uh, yeah, yeah. So he 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 is smashing his teammate. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nick Devries should be a bit worried. I think. Um, he's got a. But at least at least he's got a Latifi. So that's you know. He's, yeah. He's not he's not walked out the weekend completely empty-handed. <laughs> should we tweet him? Let him know. Lucky Lucky yeah, Ducky yeah, is one yeah, in Latifi. Yeah. <laughs> He'll yeah, be yeah. thrilled. Yeah. yeah. Oh, quite funny. Um, I can probably have a guess at who your Latifi's being awarded to, but go on. Tell me. So you've teased it a little bit already, but yeah, it is pretty uh, clear cut who mine is. Um, so mine's is for the pit lane manager of the Baku Street Circuit. So I don't know if if you didn't see the race uh, and you didn't see this on Twitter, I'll just set the scene for you because I saw this is how I first saw it was on Twitter. Um, it is the fifty eighth lap of the race, is it out fifty nine? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, no, it's, no, sorry, it's the last lap of the race. Quite yep. crucial detail, and as you said earlier. Espen Ocon spent the whole race on his set of tyres. Uh, and in Formula 1, the rule is you have to do a mandatory pit stop. And so uh, I think Ocon was hoping for um, a safety car. So then he wouldn't, you know, within those last sort of 10, 15 laps, and then they'd be fine. But obviously that doesn't happen. So he's got to pit on the last lap of the race. Someone, the pit no, no, not someone, the pit lane manager at Baku, who probably works for the FIA, decides that they can start setting up the the pit lane for Park Fermi, which is when the race ends and they stop all the cars and they weigh all the drivers, and they can start getting all the podium sort of signs out ready for when the cars finish the race at the end of that lap and can come in. But they have not realised that um, Esteban Ocon is still still to pit and has got to come into the pit on this very lap. So what you see is people. Um, but I would say it's a good group of people, about thirty forty people, all at the very very entrance of the pit lane, getting stuff ready. Um, you know, like you know, like when you're in a, like in a shop and you have those sort of like um, what are they called the belt, the belt like line things to sort of form the queues, and they got them at like airports as well. Those sort of line things, yeah, barricade that, things, barricade yeah. lines, yeah, whatever they're called. Someone is literally pulling one of those out to stop fans and other people coming down that bit there at one part of the pit lane, and there's all these people in the in the very middle of the actual lane, not in just uh, generally around it, in the very middle of the pit lane, and then you see Espen Ocon because it's a very quick pit entrance fly in and then he's i think he puts the limiter on so he's doing about 50 60 miles per hour going down this pit lane as people are literally running out of the way of this on incoming very fast very expensive formula one car mm-hmm. and it is it's unbelievable i i couldn't see, i saw the first sort of screenshot so oh, blimey that's crazy and then you watch the onboard footage and i'll we'll post this on our uh, social media the some of the, the stills from it People are literally like moving at like literally at the very last second to avoid being hit from it. It's one of the most extraordinary and most reckless things I've ever seen. So, so dangerous and so terrifying how close people got to being hit at, you know, 60 miles per hour. Um, And, you know, it's just it's just madness. It's a race is still ongoing. You can't act like the race is not going. And just and apparently I didn't realize this. Apparently this happened at the Australian Grand Prix last year. So someone. Someone in the FAA has not made sure that that, that change or that, well, that whether that process wasn't fixed or looked at properly 
because it's been allowed to happen again. I did see that the, whoever was in the pit lane manager got called up to the, the stewards to go and explain themselves and they issued apology. But oh, it's, 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 it's one of the most extraordinarily awful, like close to awful things I think I've ever seen. It's just like terrifying, uh, the onboard footage. So as you can probably hear through the rage and the, the rage of my voice, it's a, it's, it's an easy win for the pit lane manager at Baku. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree with that uh, more. It's yet another one for the FIA. They're really collecting them now. Yeah, um, well, I suppose it's, it, 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 for our record, it goes down as the FIA's pit lane manager in Baku. Yeah, I don't know unless it's the same person that turns up every week and does it, and we have another pretty them. I feel like that person was going to end up that. Well, that that's going to be only one awarded to that person. It could be. It could be. I don't know. Well, I, th- I think that's one for us to look into, maybe, and we'll 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 cover it another time. I mean, hopefully, uh, it doesn't happen again. But um, yeah, it's just incredibly stupid incredibly dangerous as you say those cars are heavy uh traveling quite quickly they're also very they're also entirely made of carbon fiber which mm. if anyone's ever picked up a piece of carbon fiber it is unbelievably sharp like you're losing limbs levels of sharp mm. um that's why they always have to spend ages cleaning up after an incident because it's really dangerous to leave it lying around on the track because it just shreds everything yeah. um and it gets flicked up and can cause real damage to people. So, yeah, I, I, it's really worth listening to, um, like watching that last lap uh, again on Sky because Ted, uh, Ted, the best thing about Sky Sports Kravitz, um, covers it really well. Like he, he's in the pit lane as always and he's watching it unfold and he's basically commentating as it's going and he's just there going, oh no, they don't realize they're all in the pit lane. Ocon's still got a pit and this is before Ocon's even come in. Like he knows it's about to happen. He's watching it unfold. And there's nothing he can do about it. And he's just watching going, oh, God. And then Ocon comes in. And of course, it's just absolute carnage. And it's like, it's clown car, kind of cartoon level stuff. Like people like diving out of the way. Um, It's just, yeah, absolutely crackers. How that thing, how that kind of thing has been allowed to happen is just beyond me. But then again, how many more mental incidents do we have to see unfold under the watch of people from the FIA before they realize They're not very good at their jobs. Um, well, maybe, yeah, maybe, good. maybe at the end of the season we say, lads, FYI, you've you've won twenty three Latifis in our <laughs> Latifi awards. I think you need to go and have a look at yourselves because maybe that will make them take note. Yeah, yeah, just terrible, really terrible. And um, yeah, some of the pictures are just. I mean, th- there's a shot, isn't there? I think of an overhead shot of Ocon coming down the pit lane. And then people with the metal barrier, like across the, like chuckle vision levels of mad, like the metal barrier is literally across the road that Ocon's driving down. It's like, they quickly realize they have to dive out of the way. It's just, yeah, yeah absolute crackers. Um, there we go. What, what I find mad, right, and this is the last thing I'm saying, it's like how no, like it's not just one person to the middle of the pit lane. It's 30, 40 people that have, none of them have picked up or realized that the race is still ongoing and that one of the people has to come in. I don't, I don't know if that's usually the, the process, but surely the logic should be no one goes down the pit lane until uh, until the race is over because you never know what could happen in the last lap because someone could pit unexpectedly with a technical fault or yeah. uh, mechanical fault. Um, it's just, yeah. I, I, I'm, just, I'm kind of at a loss, really, because how, how hard is it for someone who's in charge to be watching what's happening in the race and seeing that Est- like everyone's watched Esteban Ocon hold the entire field up for the entire race on this old set mm. of tyres. We know he has to pit on the last lap because there's not been a safety car or a red flag as they were hoping for, as is their right, by the way. Alpine have got a bit of stick for that strategy, but that's totally their call and like they're absolutely right to try and make best of that. Um, how difficult is it to like just keep an eye on what's happening in the race and be like, oh yeah, okay, there's still a car that need- that's probably going to come in and pit. Let's not send all our staff down to the pit lane yet. Yeah, Madness. they're probably uh, they're probably all napping because they were so bored <laughs> of the actual race. <laughs> yes, maybe. Before going to a break, I just thought we could just maybe spend about f- five minutes or so, if if that, just just giving a bit more love and attention to Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. You did touch on it that he was Mister Saturday and he was Mister Friday because he caught of the qualifying there as well. Mm. Um, they had a very un- they were unexpectedly pacey this weekend. I don't think your eye saw them claiming a pole position. Or two pole positions in the qualifying. Yeah. What, what, what? Any sort of further thoughts on like what you make of Ferrari this weekend? So Charles made some made an interesting remark on Friday, something to the effect of they were doing something different with their tire strategy this weekend. So everybody knows that the Ferrari is quite hard on its tires; it chews them up a bit, um, and that's made them extremely cautious. I think the first few races. Now I don't know if they've necessarily just thrown caution to the wind and said, you know what, let's just go as fast as we can. If we have to pit an extra time, so be it. 
um they didn't end up doing that in the race um but they've yeah they've definitely found some pace from somewhere be it tire strategy or whatever um as i said earlier don't underestimate the quality of charles um and that is absolutely a factor but yeah it does look like they've maybe closed the gap a little bit i didn't see any upgrades necessarily um they may have introduced some that people aren't aware of or the press haven't got hold of but um yeah no they've definitely closed the gap a bit not 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 to any significant extent because as you've alluded to the red bulls drove off into the distance on sunday um but yeah it is interesting they've um they've seemingly closed the gap definitely in qualifying and there are some circuits coming up where that could pay dividends for them i mean monaco is mm. an obvious one fingers crossed come on charles please have some luck at home in monaco he, he's never won it despite being on pole twice yeah yeah surely third time's a charm Maybe that'll be one of the three races this year that's not won by a Red Bull. I'll tell you Monaco. what, if, if I get Charles in the predictions game for Monaco, I'll predict him to win I'll, I'll predict him to win it. Nice. I just feel I like, like it's, it's it's his time. Nice. I'm ex- I'm excited to hear where I where I've come in the prediction game as an aside. But um mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I thought um you know, of what I saw of Ferrari, they did look unexpectedly quick, which is great to see. Um and I think I think they'd had some new upgrades actually in Australia, but I think they'd had a bit of disrupted weekend with the DNF for Charles. And yeah. then the problems that Carlos had at the end of the race as well, so I think they're they're a bit more confident on the car setup as well. Uh, but I just got a sense that uh, Charles getting pole in the Friday sprint qualifying did the world of good to his confidence. He just seemed a lot more confident and relaxed. I think he was quite frustrated, um, but he just seemed a lot more confident and happy in the rest of the weekend. And I, I, you know, it might have been because of the qualifying. It may have been because his, uh, his piano song that's on Spotify. <laughs> this is, this. I'm not making this up. He's got a piano song called Australian Grand Prix 2023 on Spotify. It's in the top 10 global songs on Spotify at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, maybe he was, just, he was just very happy that his piano career was, was taking off. Uh, would recommend a listen. It's quite, it's quite a moody piece of music for a bit of piano. Um, okay. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if him and Lewis will do a collab. Lewis will be on the on the vocals, and he'll be uh, <laughs> tinkling the rivalries. But um, we'll see. But I, I I did see this quite interesting stat about Charles Leclerc. He's only won uh, from pole four times out of nineteen times claiming a pole position. So quite mm. a, poor a poor conversion rate. Yeah. Whereas someone like Lewis is probably sky high. Um, and I've got a question for you, an unexpected quiz question for you. Mm. Which driver has a hundred percent record? So he's won every race they've been on pole for. Oh, that's a good question. If you get this, I'll be amazed. Is it someone who's won multiple races, or someone who's like won one and they haven't oh, done that, pole? That's, that's, on pole? If I say, if I answer, oh, that's no, they've, they've only won one race, but that kind of oh, gives it away. Right. Does it? I don't know if it does. Well, I think it does. Uh, you're now racking your brains of all the one. The one race winners in recent years. Yarno Trulli, did he win no. one? No, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't know enough about Yarno Trulli. Was a bit, I was. I was a youngster when he was a. I think he won one. Okay, so it's a recent, a recent driver, is it? Within the last ten years, twelve <laughs> years. <laughs> um, I'm He's not ha- sure. He was. He, I think he was the answer to a quiz question in one of our first ever episodes. Not Maldonado. It is Pastor no, Maldonado. It's not. No, it is it's not. He got pole and he won in um, Barcelona. Oh goodness! He's one and only race win. The meme that is Pastor Maldonado with an amazing, amazing stat in Formula One history as well. So I like that. Everyone's everyone's favorite quiz answer. Yeah, Pastor Maldonado. I mean, I mean, it's a shame because I feel like if Pastor Maldonado was in Formula One today, he would be a mega star. Whereas people listening to this now will probably hear us going. Who on earth is Pastor Maldonado? But he was very meme-worthy, very entertaining for quite comical reasons. Um, and obviously, you know, fair play to him. He did win a race, which is something that uh, Nicholas Latifi never did. Indeed. And with that, we'll take a quick break. Hello and welcome back from the break. We hope you had a jolly old time. We had a very jolly time here. We were just talking about Pastor Maldonado and doing a deep dive through his Wikipedia page. I think we're both going to go and have a look through uh, his, uh, his his highlights on uh, YouTube. Um, before we jump back into Formula One, well, this weekend in Formula One, there was a very big news story 
in the Formula One world this weekend, and that concerned our very own anti-hero, Fernando Alonso, and the writer of anti-hero, Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't believe it. this is This is all true. There are genuine rumours uh, that is going around the world in reptile newspapers now um, that they that Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift are, are dating. Um, it came from, I think, basically, she broke up with a boyfriend a couple of weeks ago. He broke up with his girlfriend a couple of weeks ago as well. I think some, in the four-week periods, I think some Spanish news site, you know, from not, not a big one, you know, quite small niche one actually I think from my further research I think they got a bit bored and decided to just put two and two together and say they're dating um, so it was it was the big talk of Formula 1 uh, this weekend you know is it a love story in the making or is it just the other side of the door F1 fans are speculating if the F1 driver has enchanting Taylor with his charm and if she's ready to say you belong with me apparently when asked about it Alonso said he was just going to shake it off Shake it off. Got... <laughs> How many I've of those got... references did you get? I've got nothing. I have heard of Shake It Off, the song, and of course I've heard of Fernando Alonso. Uh, the rest of that particular bit, I, I, I'm afraid you're talking to the wrong person, mate. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I'm sure there'll be. I'm sure if if there are any listeners uh, that are massive Taylor fans, they can they can count. They can go back and listen to how many Taylor Swift or see how many Taylor Swift song lyrics as they were in that bit I just did then until I see Taylor Swift on the grid or in the Aston Martin garage I don't believe a word of this chat that's clearly come from a man in his basement and speaking as a man currently sat in his basement (laughs) I can tell you with some authority I have no idea what's going on in either Fernando Alonso or Taylor Swift's love lives nice well (laughs) <laughs> you, 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 I've, I've got you up to speed down latest, and I've also used some good Taylor Swift songwriters to, to tell the story there. Um, <laughs> it's just another love story. There we go. Um, moving back to actual Formula One related conversation and discussion mm. this weekend, we've I think we've covered the race. You know, obviously it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't a thriller, but you know, this weekend was the the first time we had a change to the sprint weekend format. So uh, the, I'll just, if you didn't catch this, I'll just quickly tell you you know, an overview of, of what, what changes there are. So usually we have three practice sessions, two on a Friday, one a Saturday morning, and then we have qualifying, uh, and then we have the race on the Sunday. They've changed it with, for the sprint format because usually with the sprint f- format, we would usually have uh, Friday practice uh, in the day. We then have qualifying for the sprint race on the Friday afternoon. We then have another, so we'd have a Saturday practice before the sprint race, sprint race and then we'd have the sprint race result would then decide the race uh starting grid the final one this week announced before the before Baku that they were changing making some changes to it based on i think how they thought it was going um so we now have one practice session on a friday uh instead of three of the weekend we have qualifying for the race on a friday we then have a shortened sprint qualifying on the saturday morning we then have the sprint race uh and then we have the race on the sunday so it makes a Saturday basically sprint only. So, you know, the qualifying and the race is all covered in that one day. Um, I didn't see all of it. I mean, I did, I only saw I only saw the Friday qualifying for the race, which was quite insane because I don't usually watch Fridays just for a number of reasons. But I I think it, was, it, felt, like, it felt like quite a good time, I think, with my lunchtime. So I was able to sort of watch it, uh, which, which I probably wouldn't have done if it was Friday practice. Um, Sam, did you catch much of it? I mean, actually, I... I don't know why I'm asking this question because I know you didn't catch it. <laughs> we were together when the sprint race is on. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll quickly recover it. Just like uh, just like Fernando Alonso almost crashing his car at the weekend. I, I did see that in the highlights. Um, Sam, what did you what do you make of these changes? Do you think they'll work? Um, do you think it'll make it more entertaining? I don't know if it's made it less entertaining. I'll say that I'll say that much. Um, no, I didn't watch it. I was busy drinking beers with you, so I did not. Uh, I didn't see it. Um, on Saturday, yeah. it's a bit. I don't know. It's a bit. It's a bit marketingy for me. Like yeah. Sprint, sprint Saturdays. It's just a is bit. It sprint spe- is it Sprint Special Saturdays? Isn't it? Some, yeah, something. Like That's that. what they dubbed it. It just smells a bit. Um... <laughs> it, smells, um, it smells a bit. It does. Uh, so I, I don't <laughs> mind. So I, I mean, I'm, in, I'm not generally a massive fan with what they do with sprints beforehand anyway and i, I do mm. think the saturday the old format was a bit stupid because you had the sprint race on the saturday and then you had a really pointless practice session either before or afterwards where nobody could make any changes because 
the qualifying already happened and the cars are under perfect firming conditions so you can't make changes to setups and stuff so the the whole practice session ends up being a total waste of time on a saturday um with that being said uh i don't think practice sessions are the worst thing in the world anyway like a normal grand prix weekend where you have three practices a qualifying and a race was always fine for me like I agree with you. Like, I didn't really watch much of a Friday. I mean, we, we both have jobs, so we, we, there isn't much opportunity for us to watch Formula 1 in the day on Friday. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of made my peace with missing most practice sessions, and that's fine, and I just tune in for a Saturday and a Sunday. But that never really f- made me think, oh, I really wish we'd get a sprint race on a Saturday and um, replace that whole system with something else. And, and what they've replaced it with is a bit meh, to be honest. I don't know. I think two qualifying sessions feels a bit weird and it is a bit it is a bit odd having a qualifying session for the grand prix on a friday and then a whole day of other stuff the sprint qualifying and then the sprint shootout race thing uh all happening on the saturday before the grand prix just i don't know it it didn't quite work for me i don't think it's like i I can see why they've done it but i think it's it's driven by revenue rather than for the good of the sport i think like no one really watched much on a friday before most people still don't really travel to a circuit and sit around watching practice and stuff on a Friday. So I can understand why they want to make those changes and get people interested in what happens on a Friday, but I don't know if this really does that job. So yeah, not too sure really. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of want to see it, how it goes, because I do think, you know, the drivers have said they don't need three practice sessions and it kind of makes it a bit more interesting if they have less time to sort of, you know, hone and really perfect their their setup which which that's so why I'm quite kind of keen for that. Um and yeah you're right. I think it is purely just to, you know, make for the fan attending the Grand Prix at the weekend to get something a bit more out of a Friday, make it people more want to go to a Friday because they're going to see a qualifying or if you're going to see a Saturday, you're going to see a race in some form, even if it's not the full the full the full hog. Um so obviously there's obviously that sort of drive. And when I read the Formula One press release for it you know, the word entertainment featured a lot and it, that seemed to be the main reason to make it more entertaining, which, you know, I don't I don't have any major issues with, but it's like, at what cost? But also, if you're doing it for entertainment and it then doesn't live up to entertainment's sake, then I'm not quite sure. Because I think I I got the sense that I really enjoyed the qualifying on the Friday and also re-watching the qualifying, uh, you know, the second qualifying on the Saturday. But I think, I, you know, as we were saying, we were, we were sinking pints when... Uh, the race was a uh, the sprint race was on this afternoon. I didn't get the sense I'd missed anything special. I also got the sense it was pretty drab. Uh, my brother Greg said that um, I think there'd been a crash with Yuki Tsunoda. So of the seventeen laps, five were under the safety car. So hmm. we've only got twelve proper laps of racing. Yeah, then it's not that entertaining. So I think there's definitely an issue with like making it interesting racing. And I think yeah, we've we've talked about this before. They I think they just need to play around with the format to get it a bit more exciting, a bit more fun, because I think a lot of the drivers are probably quite cautious in those races and not really pushing each other. So maybe they should just use it real opportunity to do something really different. So it is a really different race. And so people have to race differently. So if it's reverse grids or no DRS, um, or, you know, safety laps not counting, I don't know. Um, but I think I think the, fundamentally the sprint race is not working for one. I don't think we've had many, I uh, you know, I think the only good sprint race I can think of in the, year two years they've been in formula one is brazil when lewis charged the field yep i think apart from that a lot of them have been very very anticlimactic and very forgettable yeah i agree no i think i think they should look at doing something different i think reverse grid something like that would be great but um that's probably a bit too radical i'm not sure the teams like that very much it did give us one interesting moment the sprint race and that was um george sending it up the inside of Max and slightly driving to the side of him, taking a chunk of his side pod, and then that whole drama ensuing, yeah. um, which was quite fun. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, it's classic. It, I mean, just on that, that's just classic Max Verstappen behavior. Does not like being on the end of someone driving like Max Verstappen and pushing him around. You know, that's exactly what he does to everyone else. Everyone just gets it up, gets on with it, and you know, either concedes the space or avoids the contact, or they don't crash, yep. or they do crash, and they don't make a thing of it. Whereas, you know, as soon as he's out of the car. He's storming over to George and calling him a expletives in shot of the and in, in in shot of the microphone as well. Um, not good, not good for the old reputation. I don't think there, Max. But um, who am I to who am I to assess you on? Tell you what to do with your reputation. Indeed, no, it was it was quite fun. I, I kind of I think we will hopefully get to see a bit of a rivalry between those two in the future. Yeah. I think it could be quite good fun. George is um, George's got quite a good sense of humour. I think as well. He's very very dry. 
So some of the stuff after the race, he was just a bit like, oh, I think Maxwell reflects on those comments poorly or something. It was just yeah. such a, like a, a little dig, but like in a very kind of polite George Russell way. It was really funny. Um, very, so, yeah. very, uh, very British of him. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think we should, uh, we well, we should park the discussion there on the actual race. Mm-hmm. I think we should now come on to the predictions game. So before we, so for, if you didn't hear our last episode, Sam, give the listener a quick recap on what the predictions game is. This is the first time we've we've first Grand Prix we've we've had the predictions game in place. So Sam, give us give us a quick recap of of the predictions game. Uh, I got all right. So we we felt a bit dirty, didn't we, making the same prediction every week, basically predicting a Red Bull to win, yeah. uh, be it Checo or, or Max. So. Uh, decided to spice up the the predictions a little bit and make it a bit more of a competition between us. So the way it works is before every race, I will use a random number generator to pick three numbers between one and 20. And the three numbers that we each get corresponds to drivers and their current positions in the World Drivers' Championship. And then we have to predict their final positions based on the final classification on Sunday for that Grand Prix. And the further away you are, if you are at all, from each of your predictions, uh, the worst, basically. So if you predict someone to finish first and they finish third, you're obviously, you've are obviously you missed them by two, so you get two points. You top them up at the end of each race, and the person with the fewest points wins. That's the points, premise. Points are bad. Points, points are bad. Points are bad, correct. Uh, and last, last podcast, last week, uh, you had to predict the positions for Sergio Perez, Oscar Piastri, and Carlos Sainz. And I had to predict the positions for Kevin Magnussen, Logan Sargent, and Charles Leclerc. So we'll start with we'll start with yours. So you predicted Checo to finish in second place. He won yeah. the Grand Prix, of course. So you gain a okay. point there. So one point. One point. One point. Oscar Piastri, you very optimistically predicted to finish in seventh position. He I regret it. Up- I regret it as soon as I said it, and because you said locked in, it was locked in. And even when I when I was just thinking about it the next day, I was like, why did I say Piastri 7th? That so, was even before the Grand Prix. So he finished 11th. So you're only four out. It could have been much okay. worse. Esteban Ocon did you worse. a massive favour there, burning through those tyres and then taking that pit stop. Yeah. Um, as did, Someone else did that as well. Was it? I think it was Hulkenberg, wasn't it? Um, yeah, both of them tried that tactic. It didn't really work out. Um, anyway, Piastri finished 11th, so he got four points for that. And the Carlos Sainz, you predicted him to finish 6th. And he ended up finishing 5th. So oh. only one, only one out. So you, your total, grand total from the Baku Grand Prix is six. Nice. Okay. Nice. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, I, uh, so I drew Kevin Magnuson. Yeah. He, I predict him to finish eleventh. He finished thirteenth. Ooh. Okay. So that's two okay. out. Logan Sargent, I predicted to finish nineteenth. He finished in sixteenth. So that's three out. So okay. I'm on five points. So I basically okay. need a, I need a, I need a nailed on correct n- correct prediction or one out to draw or win. Okay. I predicted Charles Leclerc to finish fifth, and he oh, ended up finishing third. Yes. So I got two points and I finished on seven. So Will, congratulations! You are the inaugural winner of the new lights out predictions game by one nice. point. Well done. Sponsored by Oracle. Sponsored by Oracle, yes. Well until done. they actually, until they actually do sponsor us. Um, um, I'm glad. Oh, that's that's very close. I think. Yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna keep a tab. Like we're gonna keep a, like a record of this every every race week. So then at the end of the po- end of the season, we'll be able to see the total number of uh, of points we've got. So you're interested to see over like you know the next couple of you know we'll look at the summer break uh, break, but it'd be good to see where we end up like how close we are by the end of the season. Imagine if we were just like a point out by, by the end of the season. Yeah, that would be yeah. good. That would be good. We've got Mika Hacken and Michael Schumacher levels of close. Yeah, let's, hope our, rivalry's, let's hope our rivalry is just as good. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, would you like to know who you've drawn for the Miami Grand Prix? Yes, go on. Hit me, hit me. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Let, no stupid so, predictions. No stupid predictions. Straight out of the blocks, you got number one, Max Verstappen. Okay, I'm going first. He's gonna he's gonna win. He's gonna come back and win this weekend. Okay, so I'm praying for a max DNF there. <laughs> uh, your second driver is uh, well. The second number was George Russell. Okay, so number seven, George Russell. Um, I think he's gonna go fifth. Okay. 
And your final driver was number 14, and that's Pierre Gasly. Mm. I think Pierre Gasly is going to finish 10th. Ooh, okay. So I was, I, I was pretty confident in all of those there as soon as I thought about them. The only one, the only one, the only one I'm now sort of second-guessing myself on or doubting is the George Russell one because he would have to be the quickest so I, I I think you, you've done well there. So I think drawing Max is is good. So I, I'm a bit worried. So I know what three drivers I've got. Obviously, you don't yet. Um, I'm a bit worried about the Miami Grand Prix because I think Max, the odds of him winning that race are pretty good. So that's a probable, yeah. probable quite a possible nil there. But we'll see. That's why I'm thinking, come yeah. on, DNF. Come on, DNF. Um, Russell, well, interestingly, you've, you've got Max and George there who both came together, as we've talked about, uh, in the most recent race. So, um, mm. yeah, mm. if they Very take well each time. other out, uh, that, that'd be go quite, very well that... for me. That'd be quite entertaining with the weekend we have where one of us predicts someone becoming like second or third or first and then them being like seventeenth or twentieth. Like yeah. that'd be that'd be that'd be massive for the scores. So so tell me who who've who've you got then and what are your predictions? So I got uh my lucky number, number ten, and that is Nico Hulkenberg, and I've predicted Hulkenberg. him to finish tenth. Hulkenberg. Ooh, so him and Gasly are both vying for tenth in our predictions, then we're clashing there. Yes, sir. Uh, I then drew number nine, which is Lando Norris. Ooh. I predicted him to finish eighth because I think McLaren have picked up a bit of uh, yeah. picked up a bit yeah, of speed. Yeah, yeah. And he could finish in the points. And then I got number seventeen, which is Alex Albon. And I've gone oh, for him. To... This, this is yeah. this is hard because you've got you you could finish anywhere between tenth and twentieth, or in theory. I know. Or I've got could, or autistic, actually realistically, so you're probably like seventh until twentieth, right? Yeah. And I think that's probably true of most of the three, although all three of those drivers, like Hulkenberg, Lando and Albon. Mm. That's why I'm a bit worried. Anyway, we'll see. Um, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, Alex Albon, <laughs> I've gone to finish 14th. So there are our predictions locked in. And also, incidentally, Ooh. listener, Will and I are going to be watching uh, the qualifying on Saturday together. So yeah. we'll keep an, eye, uh, keep an eye on the results with the predictions in mind. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for round two of uh, the predictions game. Can I? Can I... Get a bit of a win streak on, just like the Red Bulls are doing and Max are doing, <laughs> and, and you know, got a bit of a charge here. Right. Oh, and hang, on. we should say, we should say, when we were sinking pints on Friday, uh, not Friday on Saturday, when we were sinking pints, we did come up with the forfeit. If if you if you're the loser of this, I, I can't believe you came up with this forfeit, and you're the one that's forgotten this because you've <laughs> lost deliberately. I think Sam, you can now explain to the listener what the forfeit is if you're the loser come the end of this season in the predictions game yes all right so if you if you lose at the end of this yeah if you lose over the course of the season so we should decide whether it's a loss is uh you've lost the weekend or you've lost overall on points across the whole I season think, we can what do you think i think i think overall i think that that's points think that's overall better. yeah yeah okay all right yeah no i'm happy to do that um so I don't know, maybe we need some kind of individual prize or something for each race mm. well there's a lot of races in there. We'll, we'll ponder that one listeners but anyway yeah. the forfeit uh, for the loser <laughs> at the end of the season is that the it means that the, the loser in the first podcast of the following season has to be wearing Red Bull memorabilia and <laughs> brand and swag in some form or another. I will we've be given them such a hard raging. That's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the forfeit. Yeah. It's a good one, and I'm now terrified because I'm already one down, one point down. Got some ground to what, make up already. What's the what's gonna be like the smallest piece of memorabilia you wear, like a cap or something? Maybe then I don't know. I think a cap would be I would say a cap is the minimum. I don't want I don't want to see either of us rocking up with a little tiny like badge. <laughs> no, it's gotta be a full thing, like either a shirt or a hat or something. <laughs> Face mask, whatever. Okay. Okay. Well, that's gonna add a bit of jeopardy to the uh to the uh to the to the game because neither neither of us want that that at the end of the season no definitely not i mean i don't generally like uh and yeah sorry sorry if you're a mad f1 nut who does this but um yeah when i see fans walking around in like full like the full kit you know like the shirt the trousers the hat the full kind of yeah that's uh not not a great not a great look i don't think personally no. um so yes good forfeit um that brings us to the end of the podcast thanks very much for joining us remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice if you enjoyed it why don't you share it with a friend hopefully they enjoy the pod more than max verstappen enjoyed being out max verstappened 
by Russell in the sprint race Saturday. Uh, do follow us on Twitter at Lights Out Lads and on Instagram we are at the Lights Out Pod. Will we are off to Miami? We are. Well, we're not in person, but we we are as the sport we are. So uh, yeah, no, it should be a should be a good one. Let's hope it's a better race than it was last time. It was a very big spectacle, big big event last year that you know for one being Miami for the first time. Uh, I feel like there's been not much hype about it this year in comparison to last year. I'm sure that will ramp up. Uh, and it's the first of three times we head to America this season. Uh, and I've I've heard that last season's fake marina, where they had a load of really expensive bo- boats in a marina that had no actual water in it, but sort of next to the circuit, that's actually been made into a proper full-on marina this time. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that'll be exciting to see on the, on, the, on the coverage as well. And it'll be the first race of the season so far I will watch from start to finish. There's no <laughs> early start with failed alarm clocks. There's no train journeys. Um, yeah, I'll be able to watch it all, take it all in. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, and I think we can quickly cover this now. I think we're both predicting a Max Verstappen win. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or a Red Bull win at that. No, I um, think I think Max will come back. He's um, he'll he'll want retribution, won't he, for missing out this weekend? Well, well. And with that, I'll leave that as the final thought of the podcast. That's all from us. All the best and goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>